This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Young at the Succasunny United Methodist Church, August 27, 2023. The message is, Who Am I? Based on Exodus 2, 1-10 and Matthew 16, 13-20. Would you join me as I pray? Loving, gracious God, we come to you this morning asking for your mercy and presence with us. Grant, O oh Lord, that we know you, that we know ourselves better. Teach us your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who am I? I am a five-letter word. Take away the first letter. I am a place's name. Take away the first two letters, and I become the opposite of the original five-letter word. Who am I? Sorry I'm giving you a headache this morning. <laughs> I know it's a tough one. Let me give you a hint. It starts with W. When you take away the first letter W, it is the name of an Arabian nation in the Middle East. Anybody? Let me give you another hint. This five-letter word is a key to the story of Moses. We read this morning, Moses, Exodus. This five-letter word is a key to the story of Moses in Exodus that we read this morning. Yes, women. I didn't uh, have any gift for you, but uh. <laughs> the answer to this who I am riddle is women. When you take away the first letter from the word woman, it becomes Oman, which is an Arabian country located in Middle East. And if you take another letter away from Oman, it becomes man which is opposite of women. In the story, there is this Hebrew woman who had to give up her own son to save him from Pharaoh's new law, which dictated that every Hebrew boy that is born would be thrown into the river. Ironically, it was Pharaoh's daughter who drew the baby out of the water and even adopted him as her own son, which was directly against her father's genocide order. And we know later this baby will draw the Israelites out of Egypt, commissioned by God who identified himself, I am. 
And there was another woman who played a vital role connecting these two important women in the life of Moses. It's baby's sister, Miriam, who watched over the baby in the river and intervened with the princess who needed someone to nurse a baby. She was a smart cookie because she not only got the baby back into his mother's arm to care for the baby, but also made her earn some income on the other side. The Miriam, Pharaoh's daughter, Moses' mom, these are the women who played a formative role in the life of Moses and his journey as a man with dual identity. You know, he was son of the Hebrew slave to begin with, but then he got adopted as the son of Egyptian princess and, and grew up as part of a loyal family. Just like the other biblical text, the Exodus story doesn't describe the psychology of the biblical characters. It's less concerned with the inner lives of those biblical characters. So we're not sure how Moses dealt with this confusion around his, his identity. The question of who I am. But can, what we can read between the lines and understand his experience from our own. Those of you who watched the show Moses at Sight and Sound yesterday, we went to Lancaster as a group, and I'm sure you noticed how powerfully the story portrayed identity crisis Moses had to face as he grew up. He came to know about where he originally came from, and how could you not be in identity crisis that knowing that the man you call grandfather is the one who actually tried to kill you with an evil scheme. How could you not be in identity crisis knowing that your name was given as a result of such a ground-shaking traumatic event? In verse 10, Pharaoh's daughter made the Hebrew baby her son and named him Moses. Moses. Explaining, I drew him out of the water. According to biblical commentary, his name sounds like the particle of a, of a Hebrew word, Masha. The Masha that means one who drew out. One who draws from. You know, it's like a calling and uh, naming a rescued dog, rescued. The thing is, the dog don't care about, about how they are called as long as you feed them well. But humans do care. Imagine how Moses would have felt every time this adopted mother called his name. Of course, it's a wonderful thing that he was spared and saved by her hands. Otherwise, he would have been drowned to death or killed by crocodiles in the river. But his name was also a constant reminder of why it had to happen in the first place. The brutal genocide perpetrated by his grandfather and his adopted family, where he is now part of. 
But on the flip side, it was also a reminder of his lowly background as a child of Hebrew slaves. A reminder that he originally doesn't belong to where he is now. Interestingly, as an Egyptian word, Moses was part of many Egyptian names. It meant born to or son of. It was always followed by some defied ancestor's name because they uh, worshipped the ancestors. Except in the case of our man Moses, his name stopped short. His name was son of followed by nothing, suggesting that he is son of nothing. So how he was named was just the beginning of Moses' identity crisis. Whenever his name was called, it must have reminded him of his dual identity. The sense that he didn't belong to either Hebrews or Egyptians. The sense of being in between. You know, he was not Egyptian enough. He was not Hebrew enough. The sense of belonging nowhere. And some scholars indicate that this identity crisis as a source of Moses' insecurity that would be revealed and expressed in later story, especially during his uh, wilderness journey with the, with the Israelites, which we will delve into more in our new sermon series on Exodus, God's Exit Plan, in September. You know, oftentimes it's a sense of turmoil or uncertainty that has us inquire who am I? Who am I? We ask this old age question, especially when we feel stuck in between, not belonging anywhere. It's not a question that comes out of a vacuum. We humans don't usually ask this type of question merely out of pure philosophical curiosity or inquiry. It's rather a contextual question. It's a referential question. It's a question that is asked out of desperate search for our current location. Where am I? Where am I going? Where do I belong? In fact, there are the questions I wrestle with for many years as a Korean immigrant living in the U.S. And also as someone who started his career in theological education and moved to pastoral ministry. Sometimes I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. The sense of being in the in-betweenness. Last Thursday, my family and I returned home from Korea after spending three weeks. It went so quickly. And I want to express my heartfelt grat gratitude for all your support and prayers. Once again, thank you. As I wrote in my letter, this trip was incredibly meaningful for my family and me. We spent lots of uh, time reconnecting with our parents and siblings and relatives. We shared meals and conversations together. We took trips together. You know, these are the ordinary things that we have missed out on as a family for 13 years. So it was a rejuvenating journey filled with new memories, new perspectives, and moments of profound reflection. One of the meaningful discoveries to me was that I found a personal treasure, 
treasure. A week before my departure, my mother gave me a, a box sealed with tapes. And she didn't know what's in it, but she says, Myung-hun, which is my Korean name, it belongs to you. I broke the seal, opened the box. There were all kinds of jewelry and money. No. <laughs> there were about 100 envelopes. Without money, they're all handwritten letters. The letters I received from my parents, my friends, the letters I wrote to myself when I was in military service in my early 20s. I opened the letter one by one, almost stayed up reading all these letters. These letters strangely warmed my heart. They reminded me of how much I loved my family, how much they loved me. These letters were about my struggles to figure out my future, my career, my dreams, my dreams to study in the U.S. These letters were about my struggle to keep my faith, to fully rely on God among non-believers. It reminded me of the place of faith in my early 20s. A time filled with big questions and big dreams. And these letters were about my passion for God, my love for the Lord. As I was reading these letters, I encountered someone I have forgotten for many years. Someone I have forgotten for many years. Myself, from 25 years ago. It was like the movie Back to the Future where you travel through time, encounter a young version of yourself. That's exactly how I felt with these handwritten letters. It was definitely a time of uncertainty, ambiguity, and in betweenness. But I realized there were also a time when God had planted a seed of faith a seed of purpose in my heart through his words, through his people, in the community of faith. And when it was gradually being germinated, I was filled with such passion that I poured everything into achieving that purpose. Certainly there were many challenges and pitfalls along the journey, but I know God's helping hands have always been with me just like he guarded and guided the Moses basket flowing at the mercy of the river. This basket made by Moses' mom was made of reed. It was coated with tar and peach. Interestingly, the same Hebrew words used to describe the process of making the basket appear in the book of Genesis, the story of Noah, where Noah made the ark according to God's command. The Bible, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament is actually intentional about, the, about using the same Hebrew word, teva, to refer both to Moses' basket and to Noah's ark. Of course, there's immense difference in size between them, but they're using the same word to refer to both. What it suggests is that the baby's basket was an ark of salvation for the boy. 
As with Noah and, and with his family, the deliverance of the baby Moses depended on this little ark, maneuvered by the mighty hands of God. Later in the story, when Moses encountered God at the, a burning bush, Moses says to God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I'm not Hebrew enough. I'm not Egyptian enough. I'm a son of nothing. My name is not even complete. I don't have my people. I don't have a country. You know what God's answer was? You know how God responded to Moses? said, I am who I am. I am who I am. He gave him his name. God didn't address Moses' lack of identity, but rather gave him his. It's like God is saying to him, Moses, your name doesn't matter. Your past doesn't matter. Where you came from doesn't matter. Your lack of experience, ability, or self-competence doesn't matter. This is who you are. God said, you are the one. I am has sent. You are the one I am has sent. He didn't know how to define who he was at the moment. But his identity was redefined by his new relationship with the Lord. The great I am. The great I am. Friends, what you're experiencing now may be different from what Moses experienced. But we all pass through this in-between season in our life journey. And it can be the hardest as you feel stuck in between. You see what's fading behind you, and yet it seems the hope of what is coming is still too far, too distant to see clearly. If this sounds resonating with you, please continue to read the book of Exodus. If you haven't read it yet, Please take the challenge, the reading challenge. We have one more week. And see how God empowered Moses and the Israelites and redefined their identity, who they are, in relationship with him. This morning I want to close my message with a prayer of 4th century Christian theologian St. Augustine. And this is also my prayer for us this morning as we seek to discern who we are. Grant, O Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know you. Amen.